I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 60. All right, we are just going to jump right in. Hey, ladies and pups. Courtney from Spellcast here. I have a Sinister Sightings for you. And this is a series of events that happened over the course of a week or so. And it involves Andrael. That's her boyfriend. Okay, picture it. Andrael is sleeping over. We are enjoying a peaceful night when suddenly Andrael shoots up out of bed shouting that he feels like he swallowed something and is choking. This wakes me up and I look around the room frantically. He never gets scared, so I assume something is seriously wrong. Then I see it. A cloaked figure moving at the end of the bed. Oh my gosh. I shout that there is a cloaked figure and point my hand accusingly in its direction. Andrael didn't see the figure, but said that he could make out a shadow in that direction. I had to turn the light on so it would go away. He regained his composure and sat down on the bed. We talked about what just happened. We decided that since we were okay, we would be fine to go back to bed and discuss it in the morning. Unfortunately, it didn't stop there. A few nights later, the same thing happened. He felt like he was choking, and I saw a cloaked figure. And again, I had to turn the lights on before it would disappear. Another couple of nights passed, and once again, Andrael woke up and felt like he was being choked. This time, I saw three men in what looked like suits standing at the end of my bed. Uh-uh. Just watching. No. Then, this same thing happened again, except two more men appeared right along with the other three, watching. Andrael didn't remember two of these events. I had to remind him how many times this had happened. That's when we decided it was time to do something about it. The day after the last occurrence, I saged my entire room. I opened the window and door. I even saged the newest items I brought into my room, just in case. Lucky for me, I know people who own a crystal shop called Earthly Secrets. I was able to get some small black obsidian to put in my window seals and above my door frame to also help absorb negative energy. Maybe I will get lucky and the shadow people will stop appearing in my room as well. Although, weirdly enough, I would miss them. I'm also so used to having them around, and it's one way that I know I'm still in touch with my abilities. I hope you enjoyed my story. I will keep you all updated on whether the cleansing holds up or not, and if these entities come back. Until next time, blessed be Courtney. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Keep all those men. Look. Right? I mean, Donna would love to have five men standing at her bed watching her, but not like that. Mm Mm-mm. Well, also, I would like to have one choking me, too, but not like that. (laughs) Mm. Courtney, you better be keeping us posted. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Crazy that he didn't remember a couple of them, too. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, ladies and doggos, I have just caught up on all of your episodes and have even got my work crew listening on our travel days. We love y'all. So I'm not one to write in too much of anything, but I thought, heck, why not start with you? So here goes. Heck yeah, thanks for starting with us. We popped your cherry. Mm, Damn. My experiences are not scary. My mom and I have both had somewhat psychic moments or whatever you would classify them as. Most of them just being, hmm, wonder whatever happened to, insert name here, 
and literally moments later would receive a phone call or a text from that person or have a song by that artist immediately play on the radio. Well, damn, that sounds like Carrie. You do that shit all the time. Literally did it today. It wasn't like that quick, but I thought about someone while I was in the shower and I was like, dang, I haven't heard back from blah, 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 blah this afternoon. That's my, that's my phone ringing. It doesn't sound like that. (laughs) But I've had two actual experiences I think may be worth mentioning. The first being when I was in middle school and in the principal's office. I was there a lot because of my undiagnosed ADHD, kept me in trouble, but I digress. So I had dozed off waiting to get scolded and had a dream that one of the teachers, not one I was close to or even had any classes with, had died on the toilet. Remember, middle school. I was woken up, scolded, and sent on my way. Two days later, they found said teacher in her bathroom and she had passed away from a heart attack. (gasps) Golly. That also sounds like Carrie of waiting to be scolded for something and fell asleep while waiting to be scolded. Did you write this? Mm Mm-hmm. My second experience was with what I believe was a spirit and more personal on my 30th birthday. My high school boyfriend and I dated four years and broke up when I was 20. We'll call him Joe. We remained friends over the years and were both in relationships. On my 25th birthday, my mom took me to lunch and he dropped in to say hi and tell me happy birthday. Four days later, he had a car accident and passed away. So the last memory I have of him was telling me happy birthday. Well, fast forward five years later, and it's my birthday again. I had a dream that was filled with so much randomness, like my little bitty car pulling a big-ass Airstream camper. A tornado that smushed my car but left the camper completely intact, still connected to my car, and a random gas station that looked like it was straight out of Jeepers Creepers. So, in this dream, my friend and I were trying to figure out how we're going to get this camper to where we're going, and Joe comes out of nowhere, walks right up, and gave me a hug and told me happy birthday. I woke up to my phone going off and my mom screaming happy birthday to me on the other end. I tell her about my dream, mostly about the complete randomness of my little ass car pulling my dad's big ass camper and laughing at the sight and not really giving much thought on the Joe part until she said 30 was a big year and he just wanted to let me know he didn't forget my birthday. He had two out of the four years, lol, that they dated. So I know this was long and I hope you liked it. You guys are great and keep my ADD in check while I'm working. Thank you guys for all you do. Oh, I love that. Damn, they are me. Falls asleep, some form of ADD, ADHD. Has somewhat psychic abilities. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say, well, I don't know. I mean, it's like hers. Yeah. Where you can be like, hmm, look at my phone randomly and then it rings. Yeah. You know? I feel like a lot of people do that. Do your phones, like, send vibrations just so you look at it sometimes? I wonder. I don't know. Like, is it like a test? Like, is it like a thing? I swear I heard somebody say that one time, that, like, your phone will, like, intentionally kind of vibrate to, like, make you look at it for something. Really? I don't know. I pr- don't quote me on that. <laughs> it was like I heard somebody say that, that who knows? Okay. The next one is called The Slide. Ooh. Hey, Donna and Carrie, here I am back again with another terrifying tale for my two favorite ghoulish gals. 
The only difference is that this one didn't actually happen to me, which is good, or else I'd have been laying a little chocolate brownie in my pants. (laughs) The only chocolate brownie I don't want. Right. No, this happened to my friend's boyfriend, Luke. He told me and my friends a story, and it's one of the scariest things I've ever heard in my life. I think I'm ready for it. Now, Carrie, this part is aimed at you. Before you roll your eyes throughout this entire story, (laughs) I cannot technically prove it's true. However, I genuinely believe it. The most verification I can give you is when we stayed over at my friend's boyfriend's house after a night out in another city, and when I asked his mom about it over breakfast, I swear to God I've never seen anyone's face go so pale in such a short amount of time. She did verify it by nodding. I felt so bad for even mentioning it. But she told us the story again, and there were tears and pauses as she tried to collect herself. Oh, gosh. She's either telling the truth, or Meryl Streep should be quaking in her boots because she's coming for that Best Actress Oscar. And more to the point, her and Luke's stories were nearly enough exactly the same. So here it goes. When Luke was four years old, his mom, her name is Donna, okay. Well, she must be the most amazing person, only second to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, her name is Donna, took him around to his friend's house. He was a boy called Tom, and his mother was called Lisa. Now, the moms were friends as well as the boys. They lived across the road from each other, right from being newborns. There was only about two days difference in their birthdays. Dang! However, Lisa and her family had just moved into their first mortgaged family home. It was a little further away from Donna, so Donna had paid her a visit around two weeks of them settling in. Lisa had given Donna the tour of the home, and the boys were playing up the stairs. The moms were having coffee in the kitchen, and from upstairs, there was thumping and laughter. The thumping came from a small slide that Tom had in his new room. That sounds amazing. It was just a little plastic indoor one. Like the blue Mm -hmm. with the red? I think orange, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Everything was going fine, and everything seemed to be settled until Luke came downstairs. He seemed upset, and his mom asked what had happened. He won't let me on the slide. Tom is going on it, but he won't let me. Luke was crying, now showing how upset he was. Lisa got up from the kitchen chair and shouted from the bottom of the stairs to let Luke play on the slide. Luke ran upstairs and everything was seemingly all right again. The two boys were pretty boisterous, and so fallouts weren't all too uncommon, but they'd always been close and the grudges were never held for too long. That was until 15 minutes later. Tom came bounding down the stairs, crying his eyes out. When Lisa asked what was wrong, Tom repeated the statement, He won't let me on the slide. The two moms were just about fed up, and Donna then called Luke down. Both Lisa and Donna began to lecture the two. Now, if you both can't take turns and play on the slide, then it'll come downstairs and neither of you will be able to play on it. Tom and Luke looked distressed, and then Luke piped up. We're trying to take turns, but he won't let us on the slide. As soon as he said it, Lisa and Donna headed upstairs to check what they were talking about. There was nobody in the bedroom, but they both felt a pit of dread in their stomachs. Mm. Donna had told us it was freezing cold, and she felt like she was being watched. It was the scariest thing. 
The two women decided to clear their heads and took the boys out to the park around the corner. Whilst the boys played, the women talked about it. The longer they were out of the house, the longer they were able to justify it. Maybe it was a game. Maybe it was an imaginary friend. Maybe they were just on edge because it was still a new house. It was easier to laugh at the park, and soon the women took the boys back to the house for a snack. Now the front door leads to a hall, but the stairs are directly in front of the front door. Opening the door, they were absolutely horrified at what they saw. The small little plastic slide that had been in Tom's room was now teetering on the top step. It was only hollow plastic, so it wasn't greatly heavy, but still had some weight behind it. Donna had told us that she didn't understand how it was balanced so perfectly. She said she could see it tipping back and forth as if someone was balancing it with one finger. That's fucking creepy. They didn't even get into the house. Donna and Lisa scooped up the two boys and locked the door, and Donna drove them to her and Luke's house. It felt like a warning, as if whatever had put the slide there was showing just a small part of what it could do. Donna didn't say much after that. She did tell us that Lisa and her husband didn't set foot in that house on their own again. They had only been in the house for two weeks, and it was up for sale. They sold to the first offer and lost 40,000 pounds on it because they just wanted out with no questions. Oh my gosh. They bought another property, and that was that. I hope you enjoyed the story. Thanks for being awesome. Wowza. Also, weird hearing my name. Like, it ain't me. No, I totally believe this story. Yeah, that's creepy. It's like the cryptid, alien, the things that I don't believe. But like that, no, I believe that. Yeah. That's scary. That's a lot of fucking money. That is. I don't know how much it is, but that's a lot. (laughs) Hi, Donna and Carrie. My name is Jennifer, and you can use my name. First, thank you for sharing your beautiful friendship, a lot of laughs, and creepy, scary goodness with your fans. We love you. I've been meaning to share my childhood experiences with you for Sinister Sightings, so here I go. Well, also, thank you for thinking that we're friends. Oh my god, I can't stand her. (laughs) Insert that Christina Aguilera gift. Just kidding! I definitely 100% grew up in a haunted house. I lived with my grandparents, mom, and brother in a home built in 1918. Prior to us moving in, my uncle and his family owned the home. That's important later. Well, the house always felt a little creepy, but it wasn't until one day when I was about eight or nine and we had extended family over for a visit that I had my first brush with the supernatural. My cousin Dee Dee and I were hanging out upstairs in one of the bedrooms when we heard the sound of someone coming up the stairs. We assumed it was one of our other cousins, so we thought it would be funny to hide and jump out at them. My cousin went into the closet while I slid under a dresser that was angled on a wall with room behind it for a small kid to hide. From my hiding spot, I could see directly under the bed in the room and the closet door where Dee Dee was hiding. No one came. But suddenly, I found myself face to face with my brother's Halloween costume, which had become animated. What? It did not look like someone was wearing it. It looked like the damn plastic skeleton costume was now alive and talking to me. It said, I'm going to get you. 
Uh, nope. I obviously thought it was my cousin or whoever came upstairs messing with me, so I said, cut it out, Dee Dee. The thing told me, I already got your cousin. Look. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. I turned my head slightly to the left and saw my cousin laying on the floor outside the closet door, which was still closed. She appeared to be unconscious, but her head was moving from side to side as if she was having a bad dream. Uh-uh, no way. I was scared, but I told the thing in no uncertain terms that it was not going to get me and it needed to leave immediately. For whatever reason, it disappeared, and shortly thereafter, my cousin came out of the closet. I must have still thought it was her messing with me, and I asked her what she was doing. She swore to me it was not her, but that she could hear me speaking to someone. It was the first time I saw an apparition in the home. Over the years, I concluded that I must have hit my head as I slid under the dresser and hallucinated the whole thing. Makes sense, right? So fast forward 35 years. The house is still in the family and I was speaking to one of my other cousins who lived in the house before I did. Remember I said my uncle owned it first? I hadn't seen her in years since her family moved across the country when they left the house. She started talking about her scary experiences in that same room when she was a kid. She told me about her furniture being moved into the middle of the room during the night while she was sleeping. She described seeing shadows, hearing voices, and feeling attacked, but no one in her family would believe her. My theory is there is something in that room that disliked young girls. I, of course, am a badass and told it off and never saw that particular thing again. I also got baptized and that protects me. My younger brother slept in that room for 20 years with no issues whatsoever. That's why I think it had it out for girls. That same little brother, however, now owns that same home, and his wife and family have seen apparitions and heard voices. That's one of my stories from growing up in a haunted house. Hope you enjoy. Creep it real and don't get scared, Jennifer. Mm Mm-mm. I think it's scarier that it didn't look like anyone wearing the costume. I know. I picture, like, just, like, this flat costume, like, just moving. Yes. Oh, gosh. And then to be like, I already got your cousin. And she laying out cold? Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. So what else happened in that house? Yeah. If that was just one story, whew, I cannot wait to hear more. If that's what you started us off with, I cannot, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle it. All right, this one is called True Crime About a Real Shitbag. This is a story all about how my life got flipped upside down. Okay, so really, it is. <laughs> I love that you got picked to do this one. Like, or you, not picked, but you know what to I mean. Say, yeah, I got picked. Uh, let's see, you're going to do this story. <laughs> well, I just put them in order as we get them. And so, it, it again, yeah. it just falls into place. But of course, because you always say that. So, regretfully, I was one of those MySpace kids. Insert eye roll. I was 14, going on 21, living way too fast, and that's what started this whole shit show. I was one of those kids who stupidly gave out their phone number and told way too much about their life to randos on MySpace, but this time I would learn my lesson about the internet. Let me set the tone and give some details. 
I was 13 when it all started. I met this guy. We'll call him Shitbag. We met on MySpace, and I stupidly gave him my phone number. We talked often. He was 18. I was, again, 13, and leaving 8th grade, going into 9th. The summer before 9th, to be exact. Wow. I never even second-guessed anything he ever asked me or talked to me about. It was just someone giving me the attention I wanted. He'd asked me to send him videos of my room, and he asked where we lived, what high school I'd be going to the following year, my friends' names, even my parents' names. Again, I didn't mind telling him these things because it was just someone to talk to. Yeah, and I'm sure he didn't do it all in a row. It wasn't a questionnaire. It's they know how to groom them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so you're going into high school? Oh, cool. Which one are you going to? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, shit got weird between us. He started to get real fucking creepy with me and begged me to date him. Now, I didn't have much common sense, but I had enough to know that was wrong and disgusting. I stopped talking to him after that. A lot happened in the meantime. I was removed from my mom's custody and placed in foster care. Now, being in foster care, I moved one city away from my parents' house and thankfully ended up going to the same high school I had planned, the one I unfortunately told him I'd be going to. Well, once I stopped talking to him, he'd pop up every once in a while and kept bothering me, telling me if he couldn't date me, he'd kill himself, and so on. Well, I just ignored the best I could, and two months went by. I ended up getting a little boothang who lived <laughs> who lived a few cities away, but he was my age, and we would hang out often. Once Shitbag got wind of that, he lost it. Literally fucking lost it. He would send me audio messages of voicemails he would get from, I assume, from other girls he talked to's parents, telling Shitbag if he didn't leave their daughters alone, they'd press charges. Little did I know, this was him warning me for what was to come. So I was in foster care, and I had mandatory therapy sessions I had to do. So for that hour, hour and a half, I wasn't glued to my phone, but I kept getting message after message after message from random numbers, but I wasn't able to open any during the session. Once my session was over, I walked my therapist out, and I checked my phone. Well, Shitbag made a YouTube video of my parents' house. Oh my gosh. Him driving by, him being in my backyard, and looking through my bedroom window. What the hell? He posted pictures of me and included my full name, address, my parents' name, my school, literally everything about me. So he basically doxed her. Yeah. He had 100,000 YouTube followers on his YouTube account. Damn! Right? I had over 600 messages from random people telling me. I just about died in that moment. I shut off my phone, begged my foster mom to let me call my little boo thing on her phone. She eventually did. Once I called him, he told me he would text shit back to leave me alone. I called my aunt to change my phone number, and she did, so the calls and the texts stopped. I actually had a glimmer of hope that this would stop him. Welp, I was fucking wrong. Oh, gosh. Thankfully, it was Thanksgiving break, and my foster mom would take us to Oxnard, which was a few hours away from where I was living. Finally, I felt safe. But again, he had to ruin that, too. I get a frantic call from my aunt, who is now living in my old house, the one he recorded. And all that day, a man came to the door looking for me, and he had a gun in his pocket. What? My aunt's boyfriend ended up scaring him away, but once I realized 
this was real shit. I had to go to the cops. I couldn't risk their life for this. So my foster mom agreed once we got home, we'd go to the cops and get this guy. Later that night, my little boo thing calls me and tells me that Shitbag managed to get his IP address and his full name from the texting app he used to text him to get him to leave me alone. So now, not only did he know where my family was, but he knew where my boo thing was as well. I have never felt that way in my life. I caused all of this because I didn't want to mess around with some old ass dude. Now being older, I know I was stupid, but that wasn't my fault that this guy was not right in the head. So fast forward, when I came back to my foster mom's house after Thanksgiving break, she took me to the police station and I showed them all of my messages, all of the threats, and how he went by my old house with a gun. They couldn't do anything on behalf of my family, but they could do something for me. So we went home, and later that night, around 10 p.m., I was already in bed, and I heard banging on the front door of my foster mom's house. I hid under my bed and cried, knowing this would be it. I was either going to die, or I was going to be kidnapped. Oh my gosh. And, well, shit, I'd probably die because I'm too annoying to be kept. (laughs) (laughs) Same, girl, same. Well, turns out it was the police. They came in and told my foster mom there wasn't much they can do because he hasn't physically harmed me. Bullshit. I'm scared to death. So I'm creeping around the corner. They're in the dining room talking and the cop calls shit back. He doesn't pick up because the number comes up as the police. So the police officer uses his personal cell phone to call him. He picks up and the cop tells him to leave me alone. And if he contacts me again, he would be arrested. This motherfucker starts mocking the police officer, thinking it's a joke. Again, the police officer tells him to leave me alone. Shitbag hangs up, and as my foster mom and the police officer are talking about what we can do from this point, Shitbag starts calling the police officer's phone and mocking him again. Well, that didn't work out too well. The police officer said they would go pick him up tonight because, again, he's now harassing the cop. Like, what the fuck? Well, a few weeks went by, and guess what? Homeboy got arrested and booked for harassment. And thankfully, I learned my lesson about everything online. And you best believe I got the ass whooping of a lifetime once I finally went with my mom again. Lesson fucking learned. There's not a single doubt in my mind that if I hadn't gone into the foster care system, I would have been killed. Made me realize as well, I wasn't the only girl he was tormenting. And unfortunately, I doubt I was the last. Thanks for listening, ladies. I adore you both. Kind of true crime, but also a big lesson. People are fucking crazy. And sorry for the spelling errors and lack of punctuation. Much love, K. Bizzle. Wow. Gosh. Dang. That's so scary. I I mean, but we've all been there. Oh, God, yeah. That could easily be me. Oh, 100%. Like, if you are of a certain age and you were... Like them, you know, 13 years old-ish when the MySpace was around and the online chat rooms were just starting and all of that. And the stranger danger of the online world, people not being who they say they are, was a foreign concept. So it's like, literally, that could have been any of us. Mm -hmm. Well, because we all thought, like, yeah, I can tell them my name or whatever, but they can't find me. And even back then, they could find you, Mm -hmm. you know, Now, it's way easier, Mm -hmm. and that's way scary. But he was pretty talented, I feel like, for back then to be able to get friend boys 
fucking IP address. Yeah. Boothang. Well, we can all learn a ton from you with that because I feel like it's like as the pendulum swings, like we went from we tell too much information to we tell no information. But I feel like with the dating apps, we tell a bunch of information again because we're supposed to be getting to know people Mm -hmm. to date them. And they're just collecting all of your fucking information. And then you go meet them somewhere or let them come over, even if it's just for a one night stand. And now they know where you live. Yeah. I was just thinking that's one of those stories that literally it's still pertinent. Oh, absolutely. 20 years later. Yeah. Or however long. Yeah. I grew up in the country and I do mean the country. One stop sign, about 600 people country. Everyone I know had cattle, horses, just all of your general farm animals. But did they have alpacas? That's what I need to know. I was about 10 years old, and during the summer, I would go from friend to friend, riding horses, swimming, fishing, just your usual country summers. One of these friends lived on a large farm, including a large barn where they stored all of the hay bales to feed the animals in the winter. These were the big round hay bales, not the square bales. There were just stacks and stacks of them in the barn. So as kids, we would go in the barn and build forts in the hay bales. The way they were stacked, there was a space in between the bales so we could just put blankets in there, make tunnels, and climb up and down. So we would drop down in between the bales and make our little fort and then climb out. Now I was, and still am, a chunky kid. So I dropped down in between one of the bells, and it was a little too deep for my chunky self, and I couldn't climb back out. Panic set in. Oh, I can only imagine. Oh my gosh. I'd be sweating. Hmm. Sweating. Two boys I was playing with, yes, I was a big tomboy and had mostly boyfriends, tried and tried to pull my chunky ass out of the hole. It wasn't happening. So after I was crying my eyes out and they didn't know what to do, they ran to go get their mom. It was a pretty good walk from the barn to their house, so there I was, all alone in this huge barn stuck in the hay. As I continued to cry and try to climb out, all of a sudden my feet got very warm. I couldn't figure out why my feet were so hot. I looked down at my feet and saw light coming in. I bent down and sure enough, there was a tunnel in between the bales of hay. I dropped down in the hole and crawled out. Two days before this occurred, my grandmother had passed away. My family was spending time with these family friends the day of the funeral. So as I would recall this story when I was older, I always thought it was my grandma that got me out of there. I hope you enjoyed my little brush with the afterlife. Elizabeth M. Oh, your grandma helped you. That's for damn sure. Because like, if it just started to happen, you know... Well, okay, I'm going to be honest. I thought this story was taking a very different turn because those barns with that hay catch on fire all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. And when you said your feet were hot, I was like, oh, my God, there's a fire under her. Oh, my God, there's a fire under her. I was panicking on the inside. Well, damn, Carrie took it way too far. I am so glad that the story went the way it went. Yes. This one is called My First Sinister Sighting. Hi, Carrie and Donna. Thank you for having this amazing podcast and for doing what you do. I am one of your new-ish Canadian listeners, and I enjoy listening when I'm driving and when I'm in need of some me time when my daughter is napping on the days I'm not working. 
I just think you are both a breath of fresh air, and I also appreciate how open and accepting you both are and how welcoming and supportive the APC Facebook group is. Oh gosh, thank you. I have multiple sinister sighting stories to share, and I have decided to do this particular one first. This is a ghost story, and I hope I can do it justice with respect to relaying the experiences of everyone involved. Names have been changed to the first letters to protect my friend's privacy. Another relevant thing I should mention is that I am an intuitive and I am sensitive when it comes to seeing spirits. I have inherited this trait from my mom, who is much more sensitive than me. While I know she wishes she was just a, quote, normal mom and wife, she truly has a gift and she definitely sees dead people all of the time. I am mentioning this because it's relevant to the story. The story begins on a warm summer day. My friends and I went to our family cottage for the weekend up at Six Mile Lake, approximately two hours drive from Toronto, Ontario. My parents were up there too, but they were always cool with me bringing friends up, and our cottage was, and still is, very much a summer hangout spot. As a side note, I have been told by my international friends that the term cottage is more local to southern central Ontario, so I'm not sure if this is true, but picture a lakeside cabin or a small lake house. Okay. It was a Saturday afternoon, and a group of us were hanging out on our back deck that is attached to the cottage on one side and overlooks the water on the other. We were sitting around the patio table, drinking cocktails and playing cards, as one does on a lazy summer afternoon. That sounds like heaven. Except for at night, because during the day, I'd have been on the lake. Mm -mm. My mother was sitting at one side of the table beside my two friends, J and E, and I was sitting on the other side of the table beside my friend, T. J and E and my mom were on the side of the table facing the cottage, and T and I had our backs to the cottage. My dad was in the cottage watching baseball on TV. Because this is relevant to the story, the cottage has large windows that allow you to see inside from the deck. The entrance from the deck leading into the cottage is a double sliding glass door that has a screen. It's easy to see through to the kitchen and the living areas from the deck. All five of us were chatting at the table and having a good time with the card game when all of a sudden I heard steps from behind me and felt the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. It felt like someone was watching me from behind. Immediately, I assumed that it was my dad, who had likely gotten up from his favorite TV watching chair to stand behind the door to observe our card game. But for some reason, I never looked behind me to confirm my suspicion. I looked down at my cards and looked back up across the table just as the fun chatter went eerily quiet. My mom, Jay, and E, who were facing the cottage, immediately had somber expressions on their face and it probed me to ask if everything was okay. The three of them didn't say anything at first until my mom finally said, A ghost just walked by us. It was in the cottage and it walked from the kitchen to the living room. When my mom said this, I immediately saw Jay and E look at each other and then their facial expressions relaxed. I saw the ghost too, Jay said, to which my mother replied, If you saw it, then describe it to me. Jay then launched into a description of an older man wearing a brown shirt and tan colored pants. He said that he didn't look like he was from our time, but gave him the sense that he was someone from the 1930s or 40s. Right, my mom replied, as if Jay had passed the test and correctly described the ghost she had seen. 
I looked at T beside me and asked if he saw anything. He said he didn't see anything, but that he heard footsteps like me and had just assumed it was my dad. I got up out of the chair and went to the screen door to see my dad sitting in his chair. I spoke to him through the screen and asked him if he had gotten up, and he said he hadn't moved and was waiting for the end of the inning to get up to get another beer. I asked him if he saw anything unusual, and he looked at me annoyingly and said, could I please be quiet? He was watching his game. And, oh, since I was up, could I get him of that beer? (laughs) While this story may not be overly remarkable, what makes it stand out to me is that everyone in the group at the table had either heard or seen the ghost. It was a group paranormal slash spiritual experience. It also struck me as memorable because it was in the middle of the afternoon in broad daylight. While this happened eight or nine years ago, no one has ever seen the ghost since. We also have no idea who it could be, and to this day, I still wonder. The cottage was built in the 1950s, and it was only owned by one other family prior to my parents purchasing it in the early 2000s. The old owners were a couple who lived in the cottage full-time and sold it to my family. At the time of writing this, they are still alive and live in a nearby town. To this day, when I'm up at the cottage, I'm sitting on the same deck at that same patio table. I still think about that ghost. I wonder who he was, what kind of life he lived, and why he visited us on that particular summer day, and if we will ever see him again. I hope you enjoyed my story of the cottage ghost, and you'll be the first to know if we ever have another sighting of him. All the best, Morgan. Wow. That is crazy that all of them had some type of experience that's pretty like right solid right there and i like how her mom was like okay if you saw it describe it to me then yeah you know absolutely didn't just be like okay yeah everybody saw the same thing Mm -hmm. and if it happened eight or nine years ago and your family bought the house in the early 2000s it's not like y'all had just moved in within the last year or something and maybe it was like the previous owner's parent or something you know yeah this next one is called spooky dreams well now i want cookie crisp right (laughs) hey fam i'm at drifty gal the girl who has been blasting about you on twitter (laughs) thanks yeah thank you i just want to say that i love your podcast i found it a few weeks ago and it combines my favorite things true crime and supernatural stuff So I have some supernatural spooky tidbits for you. It has all to do with dreams and mediumship. I'll start with a brief background about myself. I never knew much about ESP, mediumship, etc. until I met my best friend in junior high school. Her mom was a spiritualist and attended a local group slash church every Sunday. Sometimes we got to go with her for events and stuff and I thought it was so cool. Anyway, one of the things we did was attend a seance. During the seance, I felt dizzy, like my body was a pendulum swinging back and forth. Imagine the worst vertigo you've ever had. I've never felt any sensation like this in my entire life, and it only lasted for the duration of the seance. I thought I was going to fall out of my chair. After the seance, I asked my friend and her mom if they had felt it, and they said no. Since since then, I've been really interested in learning about mediumship. I read tarot cards, and I've gotten pretty good at it. 
I even unintentionally picked up that my best friend's boyfriend was cheating on her with a girl in another city. The city Charlotte, North Carolina kept popping into my head during her reading, and at the time, neither one of us knew what it meant. Turns out the guy was driving out to Charlotte to hook up with his ex pretty frequently. Gross. What a douchebag. She didn't say that. That's me. One of the spookiest things I've ever experienced in my 32 years are extremely vivid dreams about family and friends who have passed away. They've given me messages to deliver to loved ones, have told me farewells, etc. From time to time, my grandmother, who died when I was 14, visits me in dreams just to talk and catch up. It's never happened frequently enough for me to be freaked out about it, And the people in the dreams have never been strangers, so I'm pretty comfortable with it and I don't read too much into it. It also never happened frequently enough for me to pick up on any weird patterns. I've bounced all over the place in the past few years, moving up and down the East Coast. But one place I visit every year is my parents' home in upstate New York, where I've realized that a lot of these damn dreams happen, specifically in one of the bedrooms upstairs. It was my bedroom in high school and college, then got passed down to my little sister. I sleep in there now when I go back. Before you ask about the bedroom, yes, there is a story about the bedroom and the location of the house that are pretty pertinent to this story. Number one, I will not name it to protect my parents' privacy, but the home is located within proximity of an old Seneca village. In the 17th century, the village was destroyed by European settlers. I hope I said that right. Sorry. Before my parents purchased the home, the family before them had a son who unfortunately died by suicide in that room. I only found out about this because I met their daughter at a sleepover. My parents like to pretend that this did not happen, and they have not told my younger siblings about it as not to scare them. About two or three years ago, things started to get really strange whenever I went up there and stayed in the bedroom. One time, I had an intense, lucid dream very early in the morning where my ex-boyfriend, who is very much alive, was standing next to the bed and told me that he was always, quote-unquote, there, even if I could not sense it. I woke up and everything about the room, the natural light, how things were arranged, etc., was exactly the same as the dream. I even smelled his very distinct cologne. It felt like some kind of weird astral projection thing. I only say that because the dreams I have sometimes about deceased relatives and friends often happen the same way. It's like when I wake up, they've just left the room. I wasn't too freaked out about it, even though it was pretty weird. Anyway, the last time I went to visit, I was up in bed around 11 or 12, getting ready to Netflix and pass out, when I started hearing banging coming from the crawl space in the attic. It was loud and frequent, but I tried not to get scared. We live in the country, so there are other things it could be. Some of the bangs came behind the walls of the bedroom. I have never heard this before, not in all of my years actually living in the bedroom. It sounded like something was behind there trying to get out. No. I got the worst night of sleep that night. I got sleep paralysis for most of the night, frequently waking up in a panic because I couldn't move or speak. This is not typical. I kept slipping in and out of dreams where black figures were trying to strangle me. 
Oh my God, just like Courtney's thing. Uh huh. Oh my gosh. I thought that too. In one of the dreams, one of them slipped a canvas sack over my head and tied a rope around my neck. Mm -mm. It was by far the scariest dream I've ever had, and I'm pretty freaked out to go back. My parents don't believe in this stuff, so I didn't tell them about it, and my little brother still lives at home, so I don't want to scare him. Thankfully, he never sleeps in that room. Thanks again for such a spookalicious podcast. Best, Melissa. Wow. Holy shit. Those dreams? Oh my gosh. That's oh that's so crazy about your boy your ex-boyfriend. I wonder what that meant. I don't know. Since he's still alive and stuff, you know. Oh my gosh. Well, these were of course, I say this every time. So good though. Thank y'all so much for sending these in. We are loving doing them every week. I think I actually said this last week, but it's still true. 100% every fucking time. And I love the themes. It's so crazy, like ghosts in people's rooms and, you know, like. Yeah. It's always a theme. And we literally just read these in the order that they come. Yeah. If you want to submit a sinister sightings for an episode, send them to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.